0: Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Medicine for Life podcast. This is the 21st episode, which is crazy. It's blowing my mind that I've done that many of these already. So I've decided that after this podcast, I'm going to take a little breather and kind of figure out the next steps and where I'd like to go with the podcast from here. Uh, today's episode wraps up the 10 steps to achieving complete wellness. And so I thought this would be a great pausing point, um, with the hope that you can all go back and re-listen to some of the episodes that I've already done and kind of reflect on where you go from here. To summarize what we've already talked about, the, um, episode 10 started all of this. And the first step was eating intuitively and mindfully. Second was cutting out added sugar Third was eating more whole foods, plant-based diet as able. Fourth was completing the meal, so making sure that we're eating all food groups and especially emphasizing the importance of proteins and fats. The fifth episode was on sleep for health and the importance of sleep for achieving true health and wellness and overall well-being. The sixth step was intentionally moving every single day. Seventh was exercising, so the three types of exercise everyone should be doing for health and vitality. And then the next three were all kind of the softer sciences. And so these are things we don't always talk about in medicine, but they're things that I have noticed even in my short time as a physician and prior to that as a dietitian. There are these human components that are easy to not account for in medical literature because they're just really hard to measure and appreciate. But these are things that are unique to the human experience that we can't neglect because The example we often talk about are um, students in schooling and how, you know, we are teaching towards a test and we have to give them these certain benchmarks to achieve. And if they can memorize the facts and achieve these things, then they'll grow up to be great, you know, leaders in our world. But the truth of the matter is the facts themselves are just a sliver of what's important. And so uh, if we just focus on these facts, we might miss out on the bigger, deeper aspects of what it is to be human. And I really think this comes to play with medicine. I just listened to a podcast I'm going to talk about in this podcast um, on Hidden Brain. Shout out to Catherine Zastro for recommending the episode. Um, But I was so excited that the person that they had on the podcast, the guest, was um, the previous surgeon general who is a physician. And he made a comment that really struck home with me, and that was this example he gives of a patient encounter he had early in his career when the person talked about some of these deeper human issues that weren't just like, I have diabetes and I need to do X, Y, and Z and take these medicines. But this deeper thing that was influencing his overall well-being that wasn't easily measured. And um, in the episode, they talk about it being loneliness as at least a component of that. But I think it is just so essential in medicine that we Are paying attention to the human experience because it's easy to get lost in the facts and then forget that there's actually a person on the other side of this you know it's not just a diabetic because when we label it that way we're not labeling them appropriately we're calling them their diagnosis and their diagnosis is not who they are it's a characteristic of who they are but it's unfair to them to say oh that's a diabetic Instead, that's Joe, my patient with diabetes. It's much different when we approach it that way. Um, But with medicine the way it is today, we're always pressured to do more with less and do things quicker. And when we do that... We take some human aspect out of it because everything is easier to manage if there's not emotion involved. We all know this. You know, if people are fact finders and they're in a relationship and have to talk about something serious, if they just stick to the facts, it's cut and dry and you're in, you're out, it's done. But if you kind of really dive in and lean in and kind of take in the whole experience, you learn so many more nuances that you otherwise might completely forget. And um, so these last three episodes were all kind of about these deeper things that might be challenging to measure or support with research, but common sense in being a human tell us that they are essential. Um, And I would argue that without these three, you can do the other ones all you want, but you will still come up short. You will still find yourself to be unsatisfied or not reaching the goals that you desire, despite eating the quote-unquote perfect diet, exercising your one hour a day, sleeping your eight hours a night, because there's more to life than checking these boxes. So these three episodes were on how you talk to yourself matters. So all about self-talk, cultivating gratitude and joy, And then today's episode will be brief, I hope. (laughs) Um, I never know how long these are going to take me. Um, But it's all about the importance of personal connectivity and relationships. And that relationships really are the driving force as a human uh, for us to find true happiness and meaning in life. And um, you know, if you think about when we evolved, we've always been in groups. And even when you think of cultures who have held on to some of their traditions, they tend to be... Together in groups more. And in America, our culture has changed in a way that people move away from the home um, at younger ages. Homes are more fragmented and distant. And we don't have the same connectivity with our family or close relational um, individuals as we used to. And I'm not saying that it's bad that we kind of, you know, Fly the coop and go away. I'm one of those people who has left our family unit, which both my husband's family and my family are still in the same cities that they were the whole time we were growing up, and we have uh, siblings that are still there. And a lot of people in those communities have stayed there forever, and that support and community that they experience because of that is tied to a really deep bond that means something. It's not something you can put your finger on, but there's something about it, and. So it's not saying that you're, you're quote-unquote bad because you left the coop, you know, you moved away to a new community, but there are challenges that develop when you're not still in that that group around you. Um, and so it doesn't have to be your family because not everyone has healthy family relationships. Um, it just it needs to be a group of individuals that you feel bring out the best in you, inspire you to live into who you are intended to be, and just lift you up so you can be you know, the positive, um, influential person you may desire to be. And what happens when we are not surrounded by that is that we can become very alone. Even if you have others living in your home with you, you can start to feel a sense of loneliness. And I've really noticed this uh, with my generation. I've noticed many people that I meet say the same thing. And it's that it's so hard to make friends because we are, are people who have left you know, the friends that we've had forever and gone to new areas. And while even though the city that I live in is full of people just like me who have moved away and are trying to make new friends, it still can be a challenge when you're at a different life stage to nurture these relationships that previously had been completely natural and sort of set up for you, whether that was growing up, whether it was siblings, you know, the school you went to in the neighborhood you lived in, whether it was going to college and the roommates on your, um, in your, your roommate or people on your dorm floor, Um, just, there were little groups that were set up along the way that made instant friends with sometimes similar interests, other times just similar demographics, but, um, but they were still natural. And then you get thrown into this world where those natural friendships need more nurturing because there isn't just an automatic group of friends down the street from you or across the street from you. And while it can be very exciting to go off on our own, it can also sometimes be very lonely to feel like you're doing this without the support that you might need. And everyone's different with their level of comfort in this, uh, but in general, you know, America is stating that it's more unhappy and more lonely than ever before, and I think some of this has to do with how we are fragmented and our life takes us, whether we want to or not, to different phases in different parts of the world that can prevent us from really nurturing relationships that otherwise could have been that extra social support or glue that held us together. And so if life has done that for you, either by choice or just by the matter of necessity, it's important that we acknowledge this and then also acknowledge the importance of Taking the time and effort to nurturing relationships, and so um, I was hoping for this podcast to give you a whole litany of science behind relationships. But uh, truth be told, I've run out of time, and so I I don't have my whole big thing of science on relationships. Maybe next season um, I will give you some extra sources for you to peruse if you're interested in around relationships, and hopefully give you some um, inspiring ideas of what you can do to help nurture relationships. Um, so first, I want to talk. talk. Talk about this awesome podcast that Catherine had recommended, called "Why Loneliness Is a Health Issue." I'm going to link the podcast in the show notes. But basically, Dr. Murthy, who was a previous Surgeon General, had gone around the country and had been doing sort of an open listening forum to hear what some of the health issues and concerns were in various parts of the country. And he noticed that there was this dark thread of loneliness, even if people didn't acknowledge that they were lonely. Because honestly, being lonely feels shameful. It feels like you've done something wrong and it might be your fault. So we often don't admit that we're lonely. But basically, the tones or underpinning of almost everything he heard was this consistent Theme of underlying loneliness. And I think we can all attest to how things have changed with social media. And while we're the most connected, we're also the least connected at the same time. And this is something that's been growing both as we move away from our homes and then also move so much online. And I think this podcast was especially timely in this uh, setting of COVID where we're all doing quote-unquote social distancing and we're just aching for that human interaction. Um, he talks about an experience on his neighborhood during um, COVID and I experienced this so frequently like just even though I'm able to, um, you know, interact with people at work, and I have this benefit since my job is as a physician that I actually get to go into work with others besides just my family. There still is this deeper ache to like touch somebody or to really talk with them, and it's especially noticeable when I haven't been in the hospital for a while and I've just been at home. Um, and I've noticed this when I go for walks or when I'm at the grocery store that people. Some people are very suspicious and cautious, um, but then at the same time, there's this curiosity and this desire to connect that you can sort of see in their eyes. Um, So we all have masks on, so you can't tell what their other facial expressions are, but you can just sort of see this um, desire to connect with people um, because it's been so long since it's not even that long, but it feels so long since we've been able to just do simple acts of touching. Um, you know, I usually greet my friends with hugs, and it's so strange to not be able to hug someone besides my family. Um, and even patients, uh, I'll still shake their hands, and um, you can just tell that they've missed that connection that they otherwise haven't been able to get. And so um, I think this podcast is a great listen. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. And there is a book that Dr. Murthy wrote called Together. And it's all about this concept, so I will link that as well. And then I wanted to talk about what we can do to nurture friendships. And it's not even just friendship, but any relationship that you think is important to you, whether it's a fam, like a familial relationship, a romantic relationship, a friendship, um, a mentorship, maybe even just a work relationship. Uh, something that is important to you, though. And I think sometimes we get this assumption that we are required to be friends with everyone and that we have to nurture certain relationships. And whenever should or have to fall into a sentence, I would really encourage you to pause and think, how is this serving me? And will this actually be beneficial for me? Now, again, we don't want this to be completely selfish. But if you have a relationship with a family member that's very strained, you don't have To build a strong relationship with that individual, it's not your job if they are not uh, in this relationship along with you, um, or if that relationship is harmful to you, either physically harmful or emotionally harmful. And so I really think the first step is taking some time to write down a list of people who are important to you. And you can start by doing groups. One could be family, one could be uh, friendships. One could be work, just different circles or bubbles that you kind of live in, and then write down the people who are important to you in those groups. You might be surprised how many people you have in your life that are uh, potentially important to you. You might also be surprised that there's just a few core people who serve many areas of your life, Um, and, and there's no right or wrong way. I want you to just have at least one person in every area because one person can't serve all of your needs. And that's not fair to you or that person. Um, but it's, you don't need to have 100 friends in each area because it's h- really hard to nurture deep relationships with individuals if the focus is on quantity and not quality. Um, and there's just not enough time in the world <laughs> for you to be having 100 great friends um, at a really deep level. You just don't have that much time to socialize with someone to, to really build that bond. Um, and so I would encourage you to take some time to just reflect on who those people would be. And then, you know, especially since we're doing this social distancing and everything is kind of moved to online um, and you know, Skype and FaceTime and Zoom are so popular. I think house party was one that I just did recently. um, And we felt like a bunch of old ladies because we couldn't figure it out, even though we're only in our mid (laughs) thirties. But anyway, um, I want you to try to think about all those people and then take a little bit of time to reflect on. How you can nurture the relationships you already have in front of you. Because sometimes we do this exercise and we realize, like, there are 20 really great people in my life. Do I honestly need to go out and search for more? Maybe life will present another person to me and that would be great. But why not work on nurturing the relationships that are already important to you right now so that you can build on what you already have instead of continually starting from ground zero. Um, and I found myself with this at times, especially with new transitions in life, I'll meet a lot of new people and I'll feel this push. Like I have no friends. I need to meet new friends. And then I realize like, I have a lot of friends, but they're only acquaintance types friends because I haven't taken the time to build and nurture relationships. Uh, and not to the point that I feel like I should have and there's that should, but not to the point that I want to, um, because if I want this relationship to grow, it takes more than just a few brief interactions. It takes me being intentional and reaching out to that individual, letting them know I care about them and figure out how we can support the relationship further. So um, after you've identified those relationships, I want you to think about how can you reach out to some of these people or um, which ones do you want to reach out to? There might just be a couple on the list that are super important to you. And then I would ask that you Take a look at your calendar for the next two weeks and find a way to connect with them. So let's say you both have very busy schedules. You could write them a letter and even better than an email because an email, we get emails all day long. Half the time, I have, you know, you have to delete half your inbox because it's just junk or things you don't need. Um, how special is it when you get a letter? Interestingly, a friend of mine just sent me a letter. Um, I was thinking about mentioning letters in this podcast anyway, but that just sort of really solidified why this is so important because I mean getting that letter I was at first I was like what what is this like a going to be a thank you card or um is there a, like a, a, a birthday party or something coming up but then I thought a little harder and with COVID unlikely um but yeah opening it up and finding a letter was just wonderful even if it was short it was so kind and it means so much so maybe write a letter to someone um, you know give them a call and one of my favorite things to do um, is if you can schedule like a happy hour with other people. So there's a group of us, this is when we tried using house party <laughs> that get are from high school and we still try to connect um, a couple times a year in person, um, usually once or twice a year in person if we can. And obviously with all of this, that's unlikely to happen this year. um, We saw each other in October and I have a feeling it'll be at least the fall before we see each other again. Um, But we try to stay in touch and this seemed like a great opportunity to try out something new and, you know, get everyone together to socialize again. Even though we're not physically together, we can still see each other's faces and there's just something about the video piece and getting the nonverbal communications Just seeing all these people you care about on one screen. (laughs) So, um, I would really encourage you if you have groups of friends like that, um, trying to connect everyone. And it's not always going to work for every person, but the effort is what's important. Um, But I would encourage you to go through that list and choose at least three people and then one action item that you'll do for each of those individuals sometime in the next two weeks to show them that you're thinking about them and caring about them. And then After that, be intentional about how you can continue to connect with them because they, you might think you're bothering them or that you don't need to do this, but think of how you feel when you get a letter in the mail or how you feel when a friend reaches out that you haven't spoken to in forever. You know, it's a really rewarding feeling that is hard to put words on, um, but it just helps your heart feel full and you feel valued as a person. Um, And it kind of just improves your day overall. So That can be you for someone else. Um, And again, that's kind of like a random act of kindness because you do that for them and then they feel better and then they'll go do something kind for someone else. Um, And so this can spread. So I, I think it's really vital that we take the time to really cherish and support the relationships that we care about in our lives. So short and sweet this week. I think that's all I have. I hope that you found something valuable in this episode, and I really hope that you will consider going and listening to that Hidden Brain podcast. Um, And if you didn't grab it already, you can grab my COVID wellness guide, and that will go through. It includes the social connectiveness uh, within it, but it has just some basic ideas and action items that you can take to really assess how to thrive during this really challenging time Um, because this is a great opportunity for us to reset and reflect and figure out what's important to us and how we want life to look as things begin to reopen and life gets kind of back to normal who knows when that's actually happening but as we kind of work towards that um, so I'd really encourage you to check that out if you have not already so I will link that as well. So I'm not sure when I'll be back sometime soon, uh, but this will be the last episode for a little while here. I am doing a few guest podcasts, and so I will um, figure out if there's a way I can kind of reuse that or link that on mine so you can catch those. But um, in the meantime, head over uh, to my social media, so at nutrition.health.life on Facebook or Instagram. And then um, my blog is nutritionhealthlife.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. Um, I would love to hear topics that you are interested um, in hearing on the podcast. So I also will link um, like a contact me page in the show notes and feel free to contact me with any podcast ideas that you happen to have. So stay well. I hope that all of you are doing the best you can in this COVID crisis. And I look forward to what the world looks like when we chat soon. All right. Take care. Be well. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to... Use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life, LLC, or Lynn Stiff, M.D.,